There we go. All right. Father, thank you for this time that we have together. And Lord, thank you for your presence, because frankly, without you, uh, everything else that we do is pointless. So uh, we, we, your word says that you're here. And so, Lord, we're going to be trusting in that, because everything that Gene and I say, everything that we share, we want to be from you and only through us. So, Father, we just pray for open hearts to receive what you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, for those of you that weren't here last week, Andy and Paulette did a phenomenal, phenomenal teaching. Uh, really just awesome. So we did put it on podcast. Um, sorry, we apparently were negligent. Yeah. Um, but but it's updated now. Yeah, Beyond a Wedding is all updated. So we would encourage you to listen, if you weren't here last week, to what Andy and Paulette said. And... Um, even refresh yourself on what we've been sharing because uh, uh, this has been one of the series that have challenged us the most and what we've uh, recognized is that we're facing challenges um, you know one of the things that David has shared publicly is that when they're teaching something they tend to be going through it as well and so we're going through this as well and so it's been really valuable uh, in that respect I like the uh, different perspective that when we're going through things, it's valuable mm -hmm. instead of looking at the garbage that we're going through things rather than looking at how God is using what he's teaching us to be able to help us go through things. So Gina and I were both up at about six o'clock this morning <coughs> and, huh? Oh, 5.30. Gene was up about 5.30. I was up about 6. Um, and I, I, here's, how, here's how I feel about this, because I was feeling it as we were talking about it this morning. If you thought we were kind of punching you in the gut before, uh, you could maybe want to leave, <laughs> because this is going to get even harder. Yeah, every, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm out here. I, I was joking around with Paul. That's why he's sitting in the back so he can say, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. So we got to make sure we speak loud enough that Paul can't use that as an excuse. We're trying to sleep back here. Yeah. So, I mean, a few weeks ago, now mind you, we've, we're now on, well, including Andy and Paula, at week four of what we thought was going to be a one-day teaching. Um. And if y'all remember, it, the series is, um, was supposed to be about giving. In relationships. In relationships. Um, giving in a biblical manner in relationships. And then we kind of realized that we actually have to be good receivers. Um, and we have to recognize that literally everything that we have comes from the Lord. And we broke down Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we said, what do we get from the Father? And we talk about identity, understanding who we are um, as God's child, as his chosen, as his highly favored, as his... Um, I, I, I'm going to say as the product of his workmanship yeah. okay who are we what is our identity and then we talked about what we receive from Christ and we talked about Christ is the greatest reconciler 
and we talked about um, the power of forgiveness and what forgiveness is. Um, it's not excusing a behavior, um, but it is releasing judgment of that behavior. Right. Um, and last week, what Andy and Paulette were talking about, it's really kind of funny because they really didn't know what we've been teaching, but they brought back identity and they brought back yeah. um, a lot of the things that we're touching on. And this week we're talking about what we're receiving or what we receive from Holy Spirit. So I know we've kind of mentioned it, but what do y'all think we receive most from Holy Spirit? Guidance, direction. Okay, guidance, guidance direction, direction, teaching. Power. Power. Conviction. Conviction. Now, in Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples, what did he tell the disciples? Remember what he said in Acts 1.8? To be filled with power to go and be witnesses. Correct. So who was going to fill them with power? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So this is when Jesus was um, going to ascend. He said to the disciples yeah. to chill. Chill and wait till Holy Spirit comes and be empowered. So I have a question. What is the difference between power and empowerment? Paul? Um. Just, just when you said that, uh, what came to me was um, it's kind of a bogus term that management gives to their employees to try to squeeze more work out of them. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're empowering you and so on and so forth. And it's like, hey, are you actually giving me authority or do you just want to work hard? Um, so what's the difference? Oh, you're too far away. I don't think that picked up. Uh, what? So what's the difference between power and empowerment? You gave us kind of a, a what you felt mm -hmm. with those two words, but what's so the difference? Felt that empowerment seems to be uh, power is something you can actually do. Something that something you can use. Something based on his will, uh, it's very, very effective. Okay. Now, when it's based in his will, what does that turn the power into? In his will, what does it turn out? What does? Action. Action, but it also empowers us. To give back out. Because it empower his, it, him pouring into us actually is a godly empowerment for us because we are told that we can act on whose authority? His. That's what empowerment is. You know, Gene read this this morning. Power assumes the right to control others, where personal empowerment assumes no such power. Power assumes the right to control others. Where personal empowerment assumes 
no such power. So when people are properly empowered, they're not assuming that power to control others. But when people assume power or positions of power, they assume the right to control others. <laughs> and when you when you look at the power that we're given from God, it is if I'm going to empower Ron, I'm giving him something that I have and saying, here, you can use it, okay? Versus him saying, the power is more like, um, I'm going to take it. Power is, I'm going to take it, I'm going to control it. You know, we the, the current buzzword in management for a long time and continues into this day is servant leadership. Leadership that serves, right? Because, and, and I say buzzword because it's been overused. Because I think people don't see it for what it truly is. Because when we're talking about servant leadership, we're talking about truly giving and sacrificing oneself. You know, I, I this power thing, I remember when I worked for a certain organization. And the first meeting that a person had when that person became lab director was... You have a job to do. I expect you to do it. And don't look for me to come and say, good job. You have a job to do. I expect you to do it. I'm in charge. You do what I tell you to do. That's power. That's power. That's assuming power. Because we've often heard that when people are giving authority or power, it reveals the true character that's within them. That's what ends up happening. It reveals a true character within them. So, Gene's going to read from 2 Timothy 1.7. But the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, power, love, and self-discipline all go together. They all go together. They're, they're not separate. So when we're talking about power from the Holy Spirit, what's it power to do? Renee, you talked about power to what? Witness? What, how does Christ say we truly witness? By our lifestyle. By our lifestyle, but what specifically? People will know that you are my disciples by the way you love, love, by your love. So we've been truly, when we talk about empowerment, when we talk about living When we talk about living as Christ lived, are we talking about the miracles or are we talking about the love that he displayed to the woman at the well? Or are we talking about the love he displayed to the woman with the issue of blood? 
Are we talking about that? Are we talking about the simple things? Are we talking about the power to cry at a gravesite when he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Or the power not to rebuke and <coughs> condemn those that abused and mocked him. The power to not become resentful for the ways that he was misunderstood. So, so when we're thinking about power, where does our mind automatically go? Do we, do we go to the water being turned into wine? Do we go to Lazarus being raised from the dead? Do we look at the empty tomb? Or do we look at the power of forgiveness and love that Jesus was able to display? Is that power any less miraculous than the miracle signs and wonders, which are very important? But that, that just reminds me of weakness, power under control. He had all the power in the world just to wipe out every human when he was on the cross. Mm -hmm. Put all down in nature. But he had that weakness. He loved everyone. They were and I, that leads right into this verse. John 14, 12. And this is Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So what is the greatest thing that Jesus ever did? Prior, prior to that moment, because he didn't go to the cross yet. So let's, let's sit in the room with the disciples. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So what did Christ do before he was crucified and resurrected? What was his greatest work? Before? Yep. Mm -hmm. Was it healing the leper? Was it raising Lazarus? <coughs> Sermon on the Mount, empowering his disciples. Teaching him, Charles. For me, it may be the woman at the well. Because he took someone that everybody had basically discarded, a complete outcast with a history that couldn't be repaired. And he raised her to a complete equal. And then when everybody around him was shocked, he said, for everyone who's never sinned, you may throw the first stone. And as great as that was, I don't think it's the greatest work he ever did. Well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean... It, it, and it's a great work. And it's a great work. I think it's when he decided to come to earth as a baby. Okay. He didn't come in as the king that's going to make everything right now and, and rule. Okay. He came in as, 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 as me. Okay. Renee? Okay. Renee. I was thinking about uh, the temptation when he spoke to Satan because he knew that 
um, we were going to need that power. So he demonstrated what it looked like to deny himself from food, you know, jumping off the cliff that Satan told whatever, you know, the words that Satan told him to do, if you love me, you know, then do this. Okay. Uh, but I think he left us an example. Of okay. okay. Paul? Um, this is all good stuff. <laughs> this is, it's great. Like, the, so you, to use your word, this is great stuff. Stuff that we can't necessarily do without utter obedience to the Father. It, for him was great. But what he was doing um, was he was modeling, demonstrating, to use that word, modeling, demonstrating love and forgiveness in an era that law was the thing. Okay. You, you, you did it the way it is on paper uh, or else. Okay. And he demonstrated love and forgiveness. Demonstrated it as well as taught it. Okay. I'm going to read you a scripture, but I'm not going to give you the address right away. Because I want you to tell us what you think came after this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What happened after that verse? And don't use your concordance. And don't so use your concordance. So. <laughs> okay, so this is, uh, we'll read it again. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What do you think he did in that moment? I mean, all, right? He had everything. He had all the power. He'd come from God and he's going to return, right? Go to the Father. So he's got, so this, the next thing we would assume is going to be something pretty Pretty amazing. He prayed. Isn't that where he prayed? My will, not my will. Nope. Is that where he washed his feet? Yeah, that was. Oh, he's yeah. where he washed the feet. disciples. Uh -huh. That's where he washed their disciples. Including Judas's. This is where he washed, okay? This is where he washed their feet at the Last Supper, where he eagerly awaited to spend this time with his disciples before. He was betrayed and crucified. He needed power to wash feet. John 13, that was John 13, 3. John 13, 4 and 5. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I think that's probably... You don't think of that as power, though, do you? And you don't think of that as a work. Now, what did Peter say to him? Remember what Peter said? Wash not my feet, but also my hands. No, what do you say before that? You're not, right? Now, what did Jesus say to him? If I don't wash your feet, now, okay, if if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part with me. So the question I have is that a rebuke? How many see it as a rebuke? 
as they're kind of, you know, Jesus is kind of saying, dude, you got the wrong mindset. I think it's kind of a reminder. I think it's a reminder because he's given them this lesson in multiple ways before this. Okay. And then, Charles, you said something too? Well, it's more of getting him in alignment than it was a rebuke. I mean, he had to understand that, I mean, first of all, listen, humility. It takes a lot of internal power to have humility. And and so what I'm saying is that Jesus was getting him in alignment more than he was rebuking him. Okay. Sure love. This is sort of like um, you know how sometimes you see people who are forgiving of someone and they've done something really horrible and that person is like, how could you forgive me? And they don't understand that power that that's within me to forgive them for this thing mm-hmm. that they did. That's why I'm trying yeah. to... So the question is, how many in here have had your feet washed? How many have washed someone else's feet? Is it easier to wash someone else's feet or to have your feet washed? Much easier to wash uh, somebody else's feet. feet. Why? I think for me, it, it goes back to sort of like Peter. It's just like, oh my God, I don't feel worthy sometimes. Like, so how can we give what we haven't received? How can we give what we haven't received? Because for me, the experience to have my feet washed, we speak of Jesus's humility. Here he is, master, teacher, taking off and and kneeling before his disciples, smelly, stinky, encrusted feet, including the one who's going to betray him. Now, mind you, this is, you know, this isn't your kid's feet after a week of no bathing. All right? Oh. This is worse. Okay. okay, it's not, you know, oh my gosh, you just took off your shoes. Can you put them outside because it stinks? These are literally feet that have walked in sewer-strewn streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different from us just getting a pedicure. Different right. than us getting uh, a pedicure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Some pretty interesting pedicures, so. Yeah, it is. <laughs> For I think for all of us. Yeah, and that's including you know I'm sure things like toe fungus, all right, and and disease and you know all these these things occurred back then too. I don't think they're new diseases, you know. And you know what did they say? The guys have the ugly feet. I've seen some really ugly women's feet too, but that's a different story, all right. But I mean it. Let's talk real, right? Let's not talk, um, nice, sweet, cleaned up. It's not your pedicure. It's not going into a salon and doing a pedicure. So we talk about the humility it takes to actually do that. But even more so, the humility to receive it. Because now you're allowing the up-and-coming king to deal with your toe fungus. Yeah. Toe lint. No, they didn't have socks like that, sweetie. It wasn't toe lint. It was toe yeah, other stuff. Toe yuck. 
toe yuck. <laughs> so let's think about that for a minute. So we recognize it takes more humility probably to have your feet washed than to wash someone else's feet. And that's not to say that Jesus wasn't displaying humility. But I think he was also imparting humility in that moment. Because what happens if we receive great power and we don't have humility? What's going to happen? It corrupts. It corrupts. So we have... Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And so without an impartation of that humility... And here Christ was, here Christ, during that foot washing, was, not only was he humbling himself, but he was at the same time imparting humility into his disciples as he's doing that act. Peter said, I'm not worthy for you to do that. And Christ's actions were essentially a reminder Hey, I've made you worthy. I've made you worthy. And it takes as much power and strength to bring up someone who is less empowered, uh, more shame-based, more inferior mindset type thing as it does to bring a prideful person to a humbling we think that the oh no it's you know you have to be less than when scripture says think of ourselves less it literally means spend less time thinking on your own stuff <laughs> not think of yourself as lower in station or think of yourself lower in in value we have the same value, but we're to think less time about ourselves. Because when we start thinking, spending more time thinking on ourselves, that's when we either get pride or we get false pride or we get become self-centered, so forth and so on. So when I picture Peter, and there's no biblical basis for this because there's no emotions written in Scripture apart from when Jesus wept and some other ones. If... if uh, if Alec right here, if, if he were Peter at that moment, I can just imagine, I, here's how I can imagine Jesus. Alec, if we don't do this, we can't share life together. I can see Jesus' heartbreak. And I think, you know, we speak... We, I used to look at God as a cosmic killjoy at times, or as someone, as someone who will take out Ananias and Sapphira at a moment's notice. And it hasn't been until the last several years that I've been able to recognize God as, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. And at the same time, there's certain things that have to happen here. And us being humble enough to receive his care is one of them. 
How many of us have ventured into things and thanked God for it after, whether it be a new job, whether it be something great, buying a new car, have ventured into things without really consulting God, but thanking God for the blessing after? Mm. <laughs> I'd venture to say we've all done it at one point or another. And what I'm hearing in my head when I do that is Jesus looking at me saying, did that one on your own. Glad you're thanking me for it, but you did all that on your own. That had nothing to do with me, really. Gene? When you look at all the little G's out there, our big G, God, is the only one that's a relational God. There is such a power in relationship. And it's a power that can be abused. It's a power that can be strengthening. Too many times we don't recognize the difference. I want to empower my husband to be the best that he can be. I want him to empower me to be the best that I can be. Can only do that when we're looking to God's interests. And as much as there are truckloads of stuff that we bring with us into a relationship, are we saying, dude, if you don't wash my feet or you don't let me wash your feet, all right, this ain't going to be the relationship you want it to be. All right? You got to get in line here because this is the proper thing to do and you better do it now. That's how we come across. There was a Jewish accent that came out with that. <laughs> Just saying. I was feeling this heap of guilt. I was feeling a heap of guilt and I heard that accent kick in there. But is that not how we do it? Is that let, let's let's do it to something, you know. Dude, you're the head of the household. You need Ouch. to initiate prayer. Mm. Mm. Come on. All right. I want to grow with you. Christ is the center of our relationship. If we don't start doing it. Okay. It, but how did Christ approach Peter? Did he say, dude, you don't get your act together. That's, that's, that's not how he approached him. That's how he approached the Pharisees. The legalistic, judgmental, by the letter of the law, all right? But that's not how he approached his disciples. It's not how he approached non-believers. He approached them with, hey, come on, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. I truly believe that when Peter said, no, I don't want you washing my feet, I believe Jesus' heart was breaking in that moment. Because Peter, or Jesus knew everything that Peter was going to have to endure. And it was going to take great humility to do that. And then, and, and I love Peter's response, not just my feet, all of me. Yeah. It's almost like at that moment, okay, I, there's nothing I can do on my own. I need all of you. I need all of you. 
question is, have we gotten there yet with God? Have we gotten to the end of our rope? Or are we still trying to figure this out on our own? Have we gotten to the point where we recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit that has left us isn't just for the miracle signs and wonders, but it's for dealing with the toilet seat up or down. It's for dealing with the tone that the person spoke to you with. Dealing with the, you fill in the blank. So Jean said this this morning, and then I had to rapidly write it down. Because Jean said, please write that down, because we won't remember it later. <laughs> you want to read that? It's right there in case you forgot. <laughs> Holy Spirit has empowered us to get out of our perceived position so that those in a perceived high position, he gives the power to become humble. And those in perceived low positions, he gives the power to look beyond that position and rise. When we look at the empowerment, we look at the woman with the issue of blood. She took a lot of strength, a lot of courage. She had a lot of power to, and I'm using power, power synonymous with courage in that situation. She literally could have been stoned to death for contaminating the crowd because she had the issue of blood. And she risked that. Okay. What did God do? What did Christ do? He stopped and he called her out. Not how dare you come, but rather spoke identity into spoke her. identity. Going back to the Godhead, what are we receiving? The woman with at the well that Charles talked about her earlier. What happened after their conversation that they had? You ask me. Anybody actually. What happened after the conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well? What did that empower her to do? Become the one of the first evangelists. Okay. Now, now think about this. Really think about it. You were absolutely right, Chuck, when you said earlier that this was a woman with an irreparable past. She had the history. She and the whole town knew it. Okay? I mean, you want to talk small town. Okay? These aren't towns of hundreds of thousands of people. Right? These are towns, you know, a thousand people, that's a big town. Right? Whole town knew it. And yet, after that encounter, she was able to transform a whole town. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you. I'm going to actually make a statement. Do you know how many people I know that have left church because the Christians don't live up to their. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, I was at a meeting recently, and someone had put it out there. Um, um, you know, to write a note on the on the receipt with the, um, you know, when you're signing the receipt and stuff like that, and and give it as an opportunity for evangelism and stuff like that. And part of my heart went, oh Lord, only do that if you were 
a good representation. Mm -hmm. Please don't do that if you tip 5%. That's or, a or bad witness. Or, 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 you, or, <laughs> or that's your tip. Or you send, or you send the food back three times. Not that place. Okay, because you didn't like the way that the potatoes touched the meat. Okay? All right? It, it's, it's, she represented change. And she was, her message was pure. Are our messages pure? Are we saying, sweetheart, I love you, I'll do anything for you, except for the next five things you ask of me? <laughs> right? Joe, you are going to say something? Oh, I'm just going to say, um, in terms of that also, please don't put a bumper sticker on your car if you're not going to live up to what your bumper sticker said. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I've seen too many Christians, uh, or perceived Christians, because I don't know but what I do know for their fruit is when you say that you love Jesus and then somebody cuts you off and then you flip them off about five or six times. Oh, that wasn't me. It was someone else borrowing my car. And I think that I think that also, too, that speaks to in our life, right? Because if we are going to... If we're going to work at some place or be in relationship with somebody, we need to be careful, right, when we get ready to say, okay, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Because once that happens, the spotlight goes on you and you are being watched, right? And so we have to take that name extremely we need to take it extremely seriously as that name is. And like you said, Gene, you know, <coughs> when you bring that out and you do something like that, you better make sure that you're, to the best of your ability, none of us are perfect, you know, obviously, but to the best of your ability to realize that you are, you are that witness, you are that disciple, you are that name. Because um, in the Nigerian culture, in a lot of cultures, my father's name carries a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. So if I go out into the world and I say I'm Joseph and Jacoby Sr.'s son, right, then what I do reflects on my father's name, mm -hmm. not just me. So it's the same thing when we talk about being a follower of Christ. Yeah. Okay? We, have to be, we have to take that in the high esteem that it should be and and I love all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I have a question to ask you because all that that has been said it's is all, all true. It's all real. So why does that check out once we get home? <laughs> uh, let's face it. Let's face it. Why do kids Why do kids leave the church when they're when when they turn sixteen? When they turn eighteen, and they leave the house, why do they leave church? What is a resounding theme? Is it because church isn't relevant? No, because my parents didn't Because, exactly. It's a reflection they got at home. It's a reflection they got well, at I'm home. I'm still a work in progress. Are we a work in progress, or are we not tapping into the power that the Lord has given us? Because God's word says, <laughs> we have been given. by it, it, His divine power is within us. That's what scripture says. Do we screw up? Yes. 
but we are not screw-ups. Are we a work? Yes. Are we still a work in progress? Yes. That is not an excuse not to tap into that power. And as we said, that power is more... I don't know. The Lord's just really had me on this kick for about the last nine months. He's about the small things. He's about the small things. We cannot ignore or negate the small things. Yes, he does major big things, but too often we ignore the small things. It's take captive every thought. Don't take captive just the really bad thoughts that keep reoccurring, okay? Or the really good ones that are gonna change the world. Take captive every thought and bring it under submission. Watch the words of your mouth. Not watch every other word that comes out or only the words that I speak that do this. All right. Recognize the impact. We are empowered to be able to recognize relationship and what will benefit them. And again, do our words match our actions? We've been empowered to be from our humble state to rise to recognize that we do have the authority and the power and we have the full inheritance of everything that God has because we are his children we have his inheritance we have the authority given to us and at the same time we have the power to humble ourselves as Christ did to wash the feet both are true and in the church we tend to be lopsided with that well, I'm a child of God. I'm going to take that land. I don't need to live in this poverty. I'm going to claim it, and I'm going to name it. Or I'm going to name it, and I'm going to claim it. All right? There's truth there in Jesus' name. Okay? We're going to demand that he rise up to be the husband he needs to be. Because that's it. He's going to... Okay? I can't force him to be the man that God wants him to be. Not only that, but by continually looking at that, Gene is missing out on how God is seeing me in that moment. Gene uh -huh. is missing out on how God is seeing me in that moment. That's what's happening. And I'm also missing out on the way the Lord wants to use what he is dealing with or not dealing with to refine me because I'm oh too, you went there I did go there <laughs> okay you mean it's not all about me well if you just change this this and this and this it'll be a lot better maybe this and this and this are occurring because something inside you needs to be changed I told you if you wanted to leave but I 45 been, minutes was the time I have been empowered I have been given the power what 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 did what did uh, what was the what was the greatest work Jesus did okay this is what he needed all power for right what do we say um right there there he goes no not that yeah. this okay John 13, 3, Jesus knew that, God, that the Father had put all things under his power, all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The essence, and what did he do? He humbled himself, and he washed feet. 
And he said to Peter, dude, let's do this together because it doesn't work if I'm the only one humbling myself here. I need to be able to give to you so I can also receive. You need to be able to receive from me so that I can give. Do we do that? And I know we don't. But are we doing it more than we used to? Are we changing our perspectives or are we demanding our way? So how do we tap into that power? The first thing is gratitude. Let's agree with God what he says about you. You told Peter, you, I, he, he, Peter made some outlandish declarations. <laughs> and on one of his declarations, Jesus said, on that, I will build my church. And then two seconds later, he said, get behind me, Sarah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> poor Peter. <laughs> Felt like a yo-yo, you know? <laughs> Shoot, boom. He goes from one to the other. Goes from one to the other. Yeah, Peter was never lukewarm. <laughs> but what? But let's let's think about this. What did Jesus see in Peter? How did Jesus see Peter? I I, I we watched. I, we used to be part of a group. It was an Emmaus group, and uh, they played this on, on opening night. They played this scene of the disciples and how they must have felt at the Last Supper, and you know. Peter's talking to Matthew, and Peter makes some outlandish claim, and you see a picture of Jesus going, oh. <laughs> like, oh, man, how long do I, man, have you learned nothing? You know, um, that sort of frustrated look. Which I'm going to do a plug for um, a show called The Chosen. Um, it is a... Um, um, crowdfunded. Crowdfunded series that, I'm just going to put it this way, puts real humanity behind biblical stories. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's acted out. It's, um, you can get it for free, um, but the majority of people that we've talked to actually wind up sending in money because it's really powerful. Really powerful. Right. Um, so given that, uh, how do you think the disciples looked at Peter? Just think about it. Pretend you're... Pretend Matthew. you're John and you're the loved one. How do you think he looked at Peter? I think he looked at him as a hothead. All right. How do you think Thomas looked at Peter? Doubting Thomas. How do you think he looked at Peter? How can you even say that, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I doubt you'll ever get that. Did, did I miss something here? Yeah, did I miss, I miss something here? <laughs> How did Jesus look at Peter? Jesus. <laughs> no, go ahead. I think he also looked at Peter and revealed. Because I think Peter was a lot like Paul. He was going to be all in. Yeah. You know, he wasn't going to be lukewarm. Yeah. He wasn't going to be. Huh? He, he was going to be all in. Even if he'd be, be open mouth and inserted foot <laughs> on a few occasions, he was going to be all in. And I believe that's what, why Christ loved him so much. Good. Okay. Uh, Brian. He said something that I've been thinking about. It's Paul. Okay. Because Paul was a man in power. Mm -hmm. 
he was blinded. And then through the teaching, because he said Jesus taught him himself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And through all that teaching, he got humble. And then when he started out on the field, he was getting beaten. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the story, he prayed to God, do I have to be getting beaten? He says, I'm not taking that away from you. And here's a guy that was a, a Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? What? what that you he, t- was, he was beaten. Uh-huh. And then he prayed, and he asked God if he could take that away from him. Yeah, take that away. Yeah. Take, do I have to be beaten? And he goes, no. He goes, I'm, he goes you have to. You know, he's, he's I'm, not, gonna, I'm not I'm, taking that away from you. Yeah, Almost as if it yeah. was a gift. Yeah. Right? And then he's out there. He could have He could have said, well, I'm done. I got the power anyways. Because everybody's scared of me. I'm killing them. And do you notice but that... But then he just humbled himself. Paul also didn't say, well, I'm just under some big spiritual attack. The enemy keeps trying to get me. Okay? Are spiritual attacks real? Absolutely. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? But the Lord has come to give us life all right so attacks are real all right Job was he under attack by the devil yes okay 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 hold on this was good he got jacked <laughs> okay he did at the same time it was without it was with God's knowledge yeah. with God's, God's provi- okay. provision mm-hmm. with God's not with God's joy mm-hmm. yeah. we, we we don't we got to miss that God's yeah. not you know uh, a sadist or a masochist right. or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say all right but God allowed that circumstance and all of those circumstances to bring mm-hmm. transformation mm-hmm. example mm-hmm which brings hope. Hey, if Job can get through this, yeah. I can get through this. And what was the key throughout Job? Gratitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gratitude. There, uh, there's, those, there's those of us that have a tendency towards pride. And if you look at Paul's life before Christ, he was very prideful. He mm-hmm. was he was probably in line to be at some point the next head of the Sadducees sure, or sure. Pharisees or whichever sect he was a part of. He was he was taught and educated. He was a scholar of scholars. Yeah. Um, by his own admission, he 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 knew the word mm-hmm. backwards and forwards, and he was probably he 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 would have been the next head of the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of power. And a lot of pride and a lot of, in that time, a lot of honor mm-hmm. that he could have puffed up, right? But through Christ humbling him, you get the words, love does not puff up with pride. Mm-hmm. Love does not, you, you get that whole, yeah. that whole sermon. And, but... He had to be constantly reminded of that because yeah. the Lord wasn't going to take that yeah. gift away. Yeah. He wasn't going to take that gift away of, okay, you're getting, well, okay, time to get knocked over the head again. <laughs> and 
The thank you. Um, were you finished? I don't want to interrupt. Pretty much, yeah. I was tapering off. Um, <laughs> the trying to find a stop. When we're <laughs> when we're under that persecution, and I'm going to use persecution in a general sense, not that we're persecuted for our faith. But when we're persecuted in relationships and relationships are not going where um, we think they should be, the way to receive the power and use the power that the Holy Spirit gives us is to have a heart of gratitude. Not, oh Lord, I'm so happy that Ron is being the biggest butthead in the world. I'm so happy that my boss is just being unreasonable. No, but rather... Lord, I thank you that you can give me a transformed mind. I thank you, Lord, that in this circumstance, you are present and your Holy Spirit has a plan through this. Lord, I'm not seeing it right now. Open my eyes. Search me and see if there be any wicked way. I thank you, Lord, that you have given me power and a strong mind, right? I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this, um, in the midst of worse than this, your son says, forgive them. Lord, teach me how to forgive. Okay, That is appropriating the power that every single person in this room that has accepted the Lord has access to. Give me the power to see Jean the way you see her. Yeah. Because right now, I, I, I can't see her the way you're seeing her. And frankly, it requires supernatural power to get over that, those fleshly eyes, to be able to see Jean the way God sees her. But that power is already in us. So let's thank him for that. We're not talking easy stuff. No. And if there's a lot of hurt in a relationship, like I said, whatever relationship, kids, parents, neighbors, okay, whatever the relationship, if there's a lot of hurt, it takes all that much more appropriation of the power that we've been given. But that's sitting there and saying half the time, I'm going to go with whatever's cheapest and easiest, and I'm going to fill up my tank with, you know, Joe's gas station, all right, and then complain when my car has problems. Because I don't want to drive five miles down the road and pay a little bit more for the gas that's going to do my car healthy. I'm going to stop the cheapest and the easiest, and in the long run have more issues. We got to go to the source that's going to give us the best and allow us to drive, to use that analogy, um, in the way that God wants for us. And that's not the water cooler at work. Joe? <laughs> um, we got to stop. Yeah. So, in, in that, uh, in what Brian had just brought out, um, God says something that's very powerful and actually was the key that Paul picked up when that thorn in his side. And so when God said no, he said, my, uh, my grace uh -huh. is, sufficient. is sufficient for you. But here's the key. He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul comes behind and he says, so I will delight more in my weaknesses yep. because when I am weak, then I am strong. Exactly. So the whole key to it was, as you guys were saying, when I get to that place, part of me has to come and say, God, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to put out there. I have nothing that's going to fix this situation. And I'm admitting at that point 
that in this place, I there's a weakness of what I need to give my spouse, of what I need to say to my spouse, of what I need to help my spouse through whatever is going on. So in that, right, I'm relying on your power because your word says that my power is made perfect in weakness. And we can attain power by that, by admitting that we don't have the power to fix it. Because too many times we go and say, oh, well, you know, I got an idea how this is work. I'll try this. I'll do that. So-and-so said this. This person said that. So I'll try that. Right? Instead of, like you're saying, go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I have no power at this particular point. Right? We've been given power. Right? But it's the point of where God says that my power is work made perfect in weakness, I have to step out of the way so that the Holy Spirit's power enables me to have the things that I need so that I can acquire the power. Because it's mine to acquire, but if, I, if I'm going to stand up and say, I'm going to do it, Holy Spirit's going, okay, well, go ahead. Yeah, that's going to work out. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I, I'm going to share this, and then we're going to close. I shared this to the Holy Spirit one time. If that's the way you handle things, I'll take care of them on my own. Thank you very much. And for the next three months, my life was a living hell. That's good. And when I came back to God at that moment, he said, so how'd that work for you? <laughs> but he didn't. I, you know, that's what I would have said. That's what I would have said. That's what the brother would have said to the prodigal son. But the father didn't say that, did he? No, the father just welcomed him home. So one other thing. We're going to close with this. We tap into the power of one through gratitude. And finally through our heart attitude. Why do you want the power? We were talking, uh, we were teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit one time and we talked about all the benefits of having empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And this one young lady came up to me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I asked her a very pointed question. Why? Why do you want this? And she said, I want a greater power to love others. You think anybody's going to get in the way of her receiving that gift? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even have to say anything. I said, Lord, just give her the gift. And boom. John 15, 13 through 14. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And it goes back to receiving the humility that Christ wants to impart onto us so that we can give to others out of that humility. Okay. Questions, comments, no, thoughts? We gotta, uh, no questions or comments because we got to clear out the okay. room. Sorry. So you can catch us out in the hall. <laughs> so if you want to talk to us out in the hall, that All would right. be great. <laughs> Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being our Father. Jesus, thank you for being the Son who reconciles us in Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming alongside of us and empowering us to live out the life that Christ lived here on earth. Help us to see others as Jesus sees them. Give us the power. Give us that power so that we can embrace more of what you see as opposed to what we're seeing. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.